It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast. It's the Bengals post-game edition presented by Ryan Kiefer of Prime Lending. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com digital sports commerce and editor with Rick Broering. And unfortunately, we missed a rare midweek podcast. Rick was on vacation in an all-inclusive place, and he's the man, and he had a good time, and I'm glad for that. But we're back and ready to get at it. It cost us the first week. We couldn't do the first week. So if you want to roll some stuff into that, Rick, you can. But I think we're going to roll some stuff into last week, into this week, where last week was great. This week, mm, not so good. Well, first of all, I binge-watched last week today before I watched today's game. So if I do conflate things between the two games, forgive me for that. That's exactly what's going on in my brain. I'm just oh, it's gonna, it's, no, it's gonna happen for both of us. Trust me, because I've got, I've got both thoughts in my mind. Yeah, and then the second thing is, I can't help but notice that I missed the opportunity to talk about uh, exciting Bengals win and some good things happening late in the first game, and come back to this, which was basically a game that was as hard to watch as any over the last three years of the Zach Taylor era. Brutal. I mean, there's been some bad games. There was the game last year in Baltimore that this reminded me a little bit of the game last year in Pittsburgh. This reminded me of um, this was bad. So I'm going to let you lead. I'm going to follow and let's see where we go with that. And by the way, you can catch my Bengals fifth quarter analysis on local 12.com. It's up as you're listening to this. Um, And uh, I'm going to probably be a little more harsh here than I was there, but I was not, not good there either. So let's go. Well, here's what I'm most bummed about skinny is yep. last year. I talked about it all season. I never wanted to be a guy who talked about offensive line play. That was something I never strived to do in my career or life. And we were an offensive line podcast pretty much the entire season last year. Well, lo and behold, here we are again. And I have to say probably the biggest storyline and where I'd start is this is still an offensive line podcast. The offensive line is still a disaster It's a major problem. It's kind of the whole starting point for where you begin with this team's issues. Yeah, it was my number one of three takeaways from from today's game on my fifth quarter. Um, I didn't go too in-depth because I'm I'm a big believer in at least talking to coaches the next day when they watch film about offensive line play, but it had to be addressed, so I addressed it as my number one takeaway. Joe Mixon ran for 60, whatever, 67 yards on 20 carries. It wasn't very good. Joe Burr got sacked five times. Not all of them were on the offensive line again, like they were not against Minnesota. Two of those were on the offensive line. And Joe Mixon was responsible for one today for sure on a non-blitz pickup. <laughs> Excuse me. But bottom line is it's 10 sacks in two games. They took a step backwards today after a great performance. And, um, you know, there's I, I, what's the fix? Is it Jackson Carmen at right guard? I mean, they're, the, the three backups again today were Jackson Carmen, rookie, Trey Hill, rookie, Isaiah Prince, who's had 70 NFL snaps. So you don't exactly have guys who are like, well, plug him in. Maybe Carmen. Yeah, I'll give you that. Maybe Carmen. But yeah, the offensive line was not good. And we're going to get into a little bit of the whole five wide thing, which they tried to protect the offensive line with that. And it didn't really work. So what are we doing? I mean, what is it was a bad performance all the way around. The first place my mind went to was what you just brought up. The fact that, okay, let's say these guys up the middle that are just getting bullied, you know, Quentin Spain, Trey Hopkins, Xavier Suofilo, they're really having some troubles physically. They're getting pushed back. Even when they're not giving up sacks, they're getting pushed right back into Joe Burrow. There's not a strong enough pocket around him. There's some physical limitations there, it would seem, the way this season has started. So even if you are going to say, hey, he's not cutting it or we need a different level of play there, 
who are you going to put in? You have no experience, no guys you can lean on, nothing that's going to make you feel better or more confident about being able to protect Joe Burrow at this point in the season. So, I mean, I don't think you can go there. And then really I started thinking about it and I was thinking, do you think at all that perhaps the way they handled the preseason with you know, starting Michael Jordan originally at guard and rotating through the the different lineups and combinations and and never really getting to play much with Joe Burrow and, and a starting unit. Do you think that's impacting their cohesiveness and their communication? Because one thing that we've seen is it's big communication errors that's killed them the first two weeks, whether it be missing blitzers right up the middle. I mean, very or stun, or, 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 stun, or stunners T- today was stunts last week. It was, it was blitzers right up the middle today. It was just simple stunts or not even stunts, just guys kind of sliding their slots a little bit and where they're coming at you from. There's no communication. There's some big breakdowns right now. Is that at all an, uh, a product of what happened in the preseason? You think? Yeah, probably. I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, I, I you would like to have your guys all, all get stunned snaps together, get on the same page together. Um, Here, Trey Hopkins calls together um, and he only played the three snaps. The the thing for me, my, my biggest takeaway, and I'm not trying to cut off your topic because you're right. It is the offensive line. My biggest takeaway is this. What is your identity? Last week, you were a lot of 12 personnel, which is one running back, two receivers, two tight ends, not all the time, but it was a part of your identity and running the football. This week, it was not five wide, but they went empty with five people out in the pattern. Um, you know, five not five wide receivers, but they spread it out a bunch. It was five wide because Zach Taylor admitted that he was afraid of their pass rush, afraid of their defensive front. And my point to the whole thing is, what is your identity, man? What do you do best? How about you do what you do best? Stop worrying about them. I get game plan specific stuff and trying to adjust to what they do. But the bottom line is, what do you, how about you do what you do best? And and I hate to do this. And I'm sure you've done as a coach too, as a basketball coach. There's times I got to adjust, but I, when I go into something, it's what do we do best? Let's do what we do best. And I want to do what we do best. And if they beat what we do best, then I'll adjust to that. I'm not going to adjust pre-plan to go, well, you guys can do this. And so, well, I'm not going to be able to do that. No, I'm dictating to you until I have to adjust as opposed to you allowing them to dictate to you and you going, well, they got a great pass rush. And Zach said it, well, they got a great front. We, we were worried about their front and that's why we went five wide. And no, what did you do last week, dude? You went 12 personnel and it worked great. I'm not telling you it would have worked great today, but what do you do best? Let's do what you do best. And if you want to spread them out and go five wide, what you do best is downfield threat T Higgins, downfield threat Jamar Chase, underneath guy Tyler Boyd. Joe Mixon in space, do those things. Throw it over their head. If you're going to go five wide empty, spread them out, throw that thing down the field 15 times and make know what's going on. And yet you did not do that. It was literally, well, I'm afraid he's going to get hit. I don't want him to get hit. And let's just throw these slants and these seven-yard hitches. And finally, it caught up to you in the fourth quarter. Listen, Joe was bad in the fourth quarter. I'm not going to excuse it. The the, Two of the interceptions were on him. One was a fluky tip. But bottom line is, throw it down the field then at that point. You don't trust your offensive line enough to do that when you've gone spread and they can't rush you? Honestly, today was the first day I really went, Zach Taylor, you might be the dumbest coach I've ever watched. And and he was. And that takes a lot because he's been dumb in the last few years. (laughs) Well, 
you're right about the identity and them changing alignments and personnel and, and the play calling a bit. But one thing that was consistent about the identity now through two games, and to me it's it's concerning, is that they are playing very conservatively on offense. They're running on a lot of second downs. They're getting themselves into a, a lot of third and longs because of this short, quick passing game and them being pretty unimaginative and, and again, just vanilla and conservative overall. And then trying to go for it at the end of games, hoping they're still around and, and staying in it with the defense. Defense has been almost to prevent kind of defense where they're, again, they're not being aggressive. They're not sending a lot of blitzers or, or trying to get to the quarterback but were, a lot. But, but, but they were great. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I had great. some issues. With they were great. No, yeah. I mean, overall, yeah, they've they've played well for two weeks. I would agree with that. But I think it's pretty clear that both weeks they were kind of playing a keep everything in front of us. Let's play a, a slow game. Let them grind up the clock a little bit. And hopefully we're in it at the end. And maybe then we'll cut Joe Burrow loose. At least that to me seems to be what the game plan is and what Zach Taylor and his, his staff are going for. Uh, on one hand, you can say, you know, they got aggressive on both sides of the ball at the end of the game. And that's when they mo- made their move and actually turned it into the game. On the other hand, you can look at it from the perspective of the conservative play calling and keep everything in front of us on defense, kept the game low scoring and gave them a chance at the end. I tend to look at it from the perspective of Jamar Chase needs more than four targets a game, especially if no he catches question. two of the four for 54 yards and a touchdown and was wide open downfield for at least one more time. Right. The Joe should hit. Yeah, he missed him on. Yeah, you're right. No. Yeah, so- yeah I, I'm, I'm I think I think we're apples and oranges with that. I don't. I, I get your point. I, I think we're apples and oranges because I, I uh, honestly thought the defensive game plan was fine. Um, you go back to the first touchdown drive. If Eli Apple is in a knucklehead and push a guy off, they're off the field. Um, and the other thirteen points were all scored because of turnovers. So the defense to me was fine. No, I think the uh, defense is fine. But what I'm saying is, it more lends itself to this. Seems to be what their goal is: is uh, kind of playing prevent, keep everything in front. Don't be risky. We we talked a lot in the offseason about the Bengals are going to be a more high-powered offense. They're going to be more explosive. Well, yeah, that clearly not, doesn't not seem so to much. be their goal at right. all. It seems to be they're trying to win with their defense, just stay in games, and their defense will be able to keep most of the things in front no, of them, and they're not going to make mistakes. Yeah, I, I, I think you're partially right. The other thing I will say is I think they're just simply so afraid of their offensive line not protecting Joe Burrow and him getting hurt. That's all it is. That was the whole quick game today of let's get it out of Joe's hands. Let's not let Joe get hurt. Let's not let Joe Joe get hit. And guess what happened? Joe got hit a bunch and he got sacked a bunch. That's exactly what needs to be talked about. Right. Just turn this loose and let's go. If he gets hurt and hit, I'm so sorry. I don't want to be a, you know, a, a goof about this, but if he gets hit and hurt, that's the league, you know, that's on you guys for not protecting him at that point. But you don't, I'm talking about the offensive line, but you can't just go into a shell and go, well, we don't want them to get hit and they got a good defensive line. And, and even Zach said last week, the Rams hit a bunch of big plays early in the game and it, it put them on their heels. Well, how many deep shots did you take early? None, none. Take a deep shot. Well, Goodness the big gracious. The big problem is exactly what you just pointed out. It's, not protecting Joe Burrow. Everyone keeps saying they're doing this to protect Joe, but the issue is it's a myth. 
They're not protecting him at all. He's right. on pace to get hit more than David Carr did to start his right. career and set a new record. So it's clearly not working what you're trying to do to quote unquote protect him. And by the way, your whole strategy this offseason was predicated on the idea that getting an extra receiver, a game breaker, right. take the top off the defense and push the ball downfield would take some pressure off of him and put the and defense on its heels a little bit more and keep them guessing. You're doing none of that. You're making them think about nothing. And so because of the unimaginative play calling that the defense is having to game plan for, they're able to pin their ears back, know exactly what's coming and not only hit Joe a lot, but now they're also being able to get into his head in terms of he's telegraphing things. He's trying to get rid of the ball too quickly. He's getting too robotic. He's way too easy to game plan for right now. No, I mean, and that's the thing. I mean, they sat on the short routes and that, you know, again, they went five wide and they went, uh, I don't want to say five wide, but five empty. So, which is five, it's a tight end, a running back. It's not five wide receivers, but they went spread and decided, all right, Joe, get it out of your hands quick. Well, guess what? They're squatting on short routes. So Joe takes a, takes a drop. There's my first read. Oh, they squatted on that. There's my second read. Oh, they squatted on that. There's my third read. Oh, crap. And here I am sacked. So you're not helping him. That's exactly right. You're not helping him whatsoever. What you help him with is run the football in the, in the wide zone scheme, play action pass, let him take shots. And if you want to go five wide, great. Let him take shots down the field. And the funny part was, you know, once they started doing that, you know, late in that one drive that led to the chase touchdown, I mean, Chase, Jamar Chase, Rick has caught a 42 yard touchdown and a 50 yard touchdown in back-to-back weeks, vice versa. Right. And that's he's not pretty, getting many chances. That's pretty damn good. Right. That's, I mean, in back-to-back weeks in this league, you get a 42 and a 50 for touchdowns. That's pretty good. Uh, by yet, the way, you don't he, do more. By the way, he got the one today when they were basically in prevent mode. I mean, they were trying to keep everything in front of them. So it's not like any, any, any great play. Yeah. Yeah. He's not, it's not like he's burning uh blown coverages or something. They know what the Bengals are trying to do at that point, And he's still making those plays. He's doing exactly what you brought him here to do, but you have to use him. I mean, that was the whole point of your explanation of why you weren't drafting an offensive lineman. And again, I'm not saying Panay Sewell would make them any better right now, but I just need, but I need some logic here behind your plan of attack. You sold everyone on why you were going to take Jamar Chase in the draft and why all this would work out, and you're completely abandoning that plan of attack. If the, right. if the answer is you are too scared about Joe Burrow's health and his ability to be in there, he shouldn't be playing quarterback right now. It's as simple as that. No, that's right, and, and that's the point of it. Of Dude, you know what? He might get hurt the next game. He might get hurt in game 10. He might get hurt in game 12. He might get hurt in the most fluky play ever. He might never get hurt again. I mean, don't forget Tom Brady. Remember, he got blown. He had his knee blown out, and Matt Castle played quarterback for a year. Aaron Rodgers got his knee blown out, and was it Huntley or whoever the hell the guy was played quarterback for a year? This it happens in the league, and it sucks that it happened in Joe Burrow's rookie year. But you can't baby glove him, and I guarantee you, he's going to think and go, "Stop doing this to me. Let me play my game. Leave me alone. I'll deal with it. I guarantee it." Because I'm telling you. Him and Jamar Chase after the game, they weren't completely forceful about how much they hated not throwing the ball down the field. But by God, they both were pretty vociferous of, um, you know, if they're going to play us like that, we need to take some shots down the field. And to me, that's almost like, Zach, what are you doing to me and us? Well, Joe is very diplomatic as always. Jamar Chase was a little bit more forthcoming and just saying, yeah, we should have been doing it. Yeah, yes, yes. Um, And and he's absolutely right. I mean, if, if you're him, Aren't you looking around saying, what the hell are you doing? Like, even when they can guard me, I still go and make the play for you. Give I mean, me a few dude, chances. Dude, dude, the one that Burrow made a horrible throw, and you and you know the one I'm talking about, it was a horrible yeah. throw up the left sideline. 
he killed the guy off the line of scrimmage. And then when he cut the touchdown on, it was in between this. It was a good throw. It was, it was not perfect. But it was a good throw in between a, a corner who had underneath coverage and a safety deep. And Jamar went up and just went, gotcha. Pluck. See ya. Touchdown. I mean, it was a, it was an understated great play, believe it or not, because we're all so mad at that point of the way the game was going. If that would have been like for the lead, everybody would have been going nuts going. That was the greatest catch I've ever seen uh, for a Bengals receiver. It was not, but it was still pretty good. So, you know, at what point do you, I, I go back to what is your freaking identity? Is it five wide and throw it down the field? Is it five wide and throw it here? Is it under center and 12 personnel? What give me your identity and then deal with that. You're asking Joe Burrow to run an offense designed for Andy Dalton is what that looked a lot like. You wanted a game manager out there to be very accurate with some short, quick passes. If you don't have much of an arm, I mean, that was a game plan designed for an Andy Dalton type of guy. That's not why you have Joe Burrow. He's great because of his playmaking ability, his ability yes. to extend plays, his ability to throw the ball downfield. It's more of a, a Ben Roethlisberger-esque type of aura about him as a quarterback. You've got to give him an opportunity to make some of those plays. And I understand being concerned about his health, especially in the long mm -hmm. term. But again, if that's the issue right now, he shouldn't be starting at, at quarterback. I no think question. he's past it. He's he's frustrated with the way he's being babied. He's not worried about getting hit at this point. So you either need to make that decision that he's your quarterback and you're fine moving on and letting him get hit, or you you play a backup for right now. Um, yeah, well, you're, and you're not going to do that, but bingo to that. that that's a great con. That, that was perfectly yeah, said. Yes. He did throw the three interceptions in a row, three straight passes in the fourth quarter. And like you mentioned, the one was guy, guys not picking up Blitzes and getting yeah, bumped the, into an attempt. Yeah, and yeah, 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 the old train was fluky. The, the one to take uh, Raquan Smith is is what it is. I mean, he made a bad decision and he was late. Telegraphed to the ball. it. Yeah. And then the one, the one I will tell you is when you're squatting on short routes, the the corner looked his eyes into the into the second into into Joe Burrow. He did not go in trail technique because he realized, well, T Higgins is going to run up the sideline. I mean, he's going to stop at some sure. point, and T try to stop, come back, and the corner's looking in. Voila! So there, there, there's the there's the perfect example of what are you doing. Yeah, they're just driving on those short routes and they're never even looking to get ran past. And that's why it's becoming increasingly easy for Jamar Chase to do so probably. But regarding the three interceptions, I think there are two reasons to worry about this. And I don't mean like, I don't, I don't, but I'm interested. I mean, I'm interested in this because I, I, I'm not worried about it, but go ahead. I, I do, but, but not, not be, not from an aspect of like Joe Burrow threw three interceptions. He's not good all of a sudden or anything. like no, that. No, no, no. I, I think there's the obvious of, Hey, this team just isn't very good and the line can't protect him. And that that's what you're going to get occasionally when the line can't protect him and your you know, play calling's going the way it is. This team isn't very good. And that's one reason to worry about it, which is just the obvious. The second is how much is the Bengals lack of leadership, competent play calling and protection destroying his development and confidence. The hits bothered him today. The fact that he was constantly getting hit and the play calling's unimaginative and he feels like he has to force the ball. There's nowhere yep. to go all of a sudden that got to him today. He's been very calm, cool and handled all this stuff really well through the beginning of his career. But we saw him shook for the first time today in a big way. How much do you get concerned about that at some point that it's going yeah. to change him? He's going to be bungled. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, and, and that's the part that worries me a little bit too. So that was well said. I, I think with him, I think the fact that he kind of came back and led the one scoring drive and in the chase TD, the other TD was a gift, right? I mean, the, the touchdown to T yeah. was a gift. Uh, but the one touchdown drive, and that was after he had thrown three straight interceptions on three straight passes after going 199 passes in a row without an interception, to me said, that that told me what that guy's about. Of You know what? I did it. I screwed up. I'm going to fix this. We're going to go. And they went. And yeah, some of it you can argue is, you know, 
defense related, all those things. But that was him just slinging it around still. So I don't think we're at that point yet. I think we could get to that point for sure. And it may come quickly because here comes Pittsburgh next. And the fact that they can come rush the passer. But I don't think we're there yet. I, I'm, I'm going to do each individual inter, interception by itself. The first one was, again, he, you could tell, he did not see Roquan Smith at all. And it was too late when he threw the ball to Tyler Boyd. There's interception one. Interception two was the one to T. Higgins where they're looking in the backfield because they don't trust them to run past them. And they didn't at that point. That was not the point. They threw the ball deep to Jamar Chase or anybody else. And so they were squatting on routes and they squatted on a route, intercepted. And the third one, as we mentioned, was a fluke. So they're all explainable. They're not perfect. They're not right. They're not. And again, I'm not absolving him of blame at all. I mean, the one to Roquan Smith was just a bad decision, bad throw. So I don't think we're there yet. But yes, we could get there and we could get there quickly as early as next week. I don't think we will because I think he's just too tough minded. And I think the, 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 the drive that ended in the chase touchdown went to me, went, yeah, this dude, he, he's okay. You know, he's going to get, he's, he's going to be fine. You know, and then he throws a touchdown to T I, I, and I, I really go, I, I wish that he would have had one more chance. Cause I truly believe with one more chance, the way that game was going, they're kicking a field goal to go to T or they're going to win the game. I really believe that. No, I, I fully agree. Well, I mean, once they got aggressive there in the final, what, five minutes of the game, right. they were all of a sudden really hard to stop. And it was dangerous when he was spreading the ball around. You saw a lot of guys involved in the passing attack again today. So the things that Joe Burrow showed early in his career, we're still seeing even through the first two weeks of yeah. this season. It's just all been basically at the end of fourth quarters. And he, he still shows all the promise that you would want him to. I just saw today the first time where it was like, oh no, what's happening to Bengals draft picks are starting to happen to him. He's getting frustrated by no, the lack of competence around him. And that's it's fair. certainly understandable. It, no, it's, it's, it's fair. That will do something to your confidence at some point when you just feel like you have nowhere to go with the ball, the play calling stinks, your head coach is in over his head, and no one can protect you and you just keep getting bashed. No, it's fair. All right, can I tell you the play that I thought was the biggest play of the game? Yes. Logan Wilson failing to scoop and score or failing to fall on the football in the, on the third quarter. You got to have that one. You got to have that one. I, I I get. And the fact is, I, I've told you, I think he's going to be great. I think I told you on a podcast two weeks ago, I wrote about it. I think he's going to be great. And I think he's closing in on not. He's closing in on being really good. Maybe not great, but he's closing in on really being really good. He had seven tackles today, interception today. Um, that one that he almost had and he whiffed. And it was just a weird fluky thing. But the bottom line is, man, you gotta have that. It's seven to three. You sacked the guy. Trey Hendrickson was had a great game. He got my game ball in defense. I thought he was great all day. He sacks Justin Fields, forces the fumble. And, you know, I know there's the old fashioned just fall on it. I also get the fact that it looked like it, it in watching it in real time, and you can correct me on this, Rick, if you think I'm wrong. In real time, I go, when it bounced something and oh, scoop and score. That was my thought. He missed, he whiffed, and then they don't get it. And at that point, then I'm like, well, old school me says, just fall on the ball, dude. It's the old school way. So I'm kind of conflicted, but you know, the bottom line is that was still such a big play. You get at the Bears 33, you go up maybe, and then we're not talking about Joe Burrow interceptions, right? I feel like he made the right call to try to scoop and score there because I do, I do quite too. honestly. Justin Fields, you've got to give a lot of credit to to get back up so quickly and dive back into that play to recover the ball because he was the only player that for the Bears that was anywhere near 
the and, ball. And I you could still and, get to and, it. So if you're Logan yeah, Wilson, and, you're thinking he just got strip sacked. He's not going to get the ball. And there's no other Bears players coming back to get it right now. I'm all alone. I don't blame it at all for trying to scoop and score. The problem was you got to execute right there. That's yes. a play you have to make. You just do. Yeah. And that and that's the disappointing part because again, he had it. He absolutely had it. And then he picks the pass off late and he's done so many good things. And I'm just so high on that guy. He didn't have a great opener. He didn't have an awful opener, but he didn't have a great opener. But man, he came back today and did a lot of good things. And then there was that. You got to have that football bottom line. You just got to. He had a pretty good game overall, though. Yeah. I mean, if you're, yes. you know, this was a really hard game to watch if you were a Bengals fans. But if you're looking for positive takeaways, I would have him probably in the top three or four on my list. Trey Hendrickson would be number one. Yeah. I think you have to be really yeah. happy with what you've gotten out of him so far for eight weeks. Um, especially with Carl Lawson out for the season right now in New York. Right. right? I mean, that's right. That trade off right now makes it feel really good about what's going on. He needs to finish plays better. Yeah. You're, yeah, you're, yeah, you're, you're in gravy, gravy train road with, with, with Trey (laughs) Hendrickson right now, because no matter what he does, it's way above what Carl Lawson would have done. Right. Yeah. Unless he really stunk, then, you know, you'd just be complaining about how bad it is. Right. Feel like it was addition by subtraction, but the one thing it does seem like, and this obviously was another one of the big plays of the game there at the end when they finally had that chance and he just the couldn't scramble. quite finish off that tackle on Justin yep. Fields that would have given the Bengals the ball back. He's getting some pressure and he's being disruptive up front. You'd just like to see him finish a few more plays as a tackler because he's getting into the backfield a lot. I also like the look of Ogan Joby. I think he's benefiting oh, he's from ridiculous. playing alongside he's ridiculous. healthy, talented guys. Like, I really like when he and DJ Reed are in there together. I feel like they both help each other. No, the, the one thing I, I, and I said this on TV tonight, and you can go to local12.com to see the interview that I did with Chris Frankel. Um, I, I'm really happy with the defense. I, I, and you know, you know, you and I kind of talked about this before the year started. I'm, I'm high on this defense. I've been high on this defense since training camp, and they've done, done nothing to show me that they're not going to be really good. And let's not forget, Eli Apple mucked up again today on a, on a you know, on pass interference. And guess what? This week is supposed to be Trey Wayne's coming back. So, you're going to get better. I mean, they're so good up front. That, that that front group is really, really good. And I think Logan Wilson's getting better. Now, Jermaine Pratt had a moment today where David Montgomery went it, it and got away from him. Now, there was a penalty that called it back, offsetting penalties. But other than that, he's played pretty good, too. So, I mean, I'm, Mike Hilton's been – I mean, the whole – they've been good as a group other than Eli Apple and a couple of individual plays. And the funny part is we can look at the individual plays and say that. But overall, other than, than the few plays he's messed up, how many times have you gone, boy, Eli Apple sucks? A Not lot. very many. No, no I disagree no, with that. He's no, been the four, picked on back-to-back weeks. Yeah, the four plays. There's four plays, and I'll give you that. But uh, I think there's line, more than there if you if you go back and do it all game individually. Because I'll tell you what, watching him in back-to-back games all on the same day, binging it like that, I can't tell you how terrible I think the guy is. He cannot cut it at this level. And, and that and, and that's fair. But again, that's where I go back to Trey Waynes is going to come back. This huge, week, so. huge upgrade. I, Correct. I, I would never think a, a cornerback would make that much of a difference. But really, when you look at this Bengals defense for the first two weeks and the weak spots they've had, it's really been Eli Apple. Not, not just one or two big plays where he's getting burnt. The problem is he's been picked on for an entire drive in back-to-back games now where he's essentially given up a touchdown by himself. But and there's also that many touchdowns. But but hear me out. There's also eight or nine other drives where he's not been picked on. So something's going right. He's been picked on a lot by opposing guys. And I mean, if Andy yes. Dalton wasn't yes. Andy Dalton, he might be picked on a little more. If he wasn't going against a rookie in the second half today, he might be picked on a little bit more. So there's some talent levels thing Fair. going on here too. If he's facing an elite guy, he's probably getting picked on even worse than he already is. So 
I think getting Trey Wayne's back will actually be a oh, big boost. For I mean, this dude, defense. dude, dude, trust me. I mean, they signed Trey Wayne's for that big contract for a reason, right? I mean, <laughs> that's the bottom line. That's the guy you signed to be a guy. You didn't sign him just, hey, we need a corner. You want to come play for us? No, they signed him to be a guy. So yeah, that that's that's a big difference. But the bottom line is, I'm I'm extraordinarily pleased with this defense. I think they've been gr- not just good, but great at times. I would agree with that. I mean, BJ Hill has flashed already after yep. picking him up late. Hendrickson has been great. Ogan Joby has been great. In my Ogan Joby has been stupid great. I, I enjoy watching Reader so far. He's been better than I I thought he was when the brief appearances we saw of him last year. I think. Hubbard and Pratt specifically have been pretty good on setting edges against the run, you know, yep. getting out there and keeping content. Hey, and hey Rick, 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 along those lines. I mean, you know, back to back weeks, you got Dalvin cook and, and David Montgomery, two really yeah. good running backs, both of them. And I think I'm doing this off the top of my head, but both 20 carries 61 yards. That's pretty good. That's pretty darn good. Well, and those are the exact guys, especially with the Bengals linebackers and, and the, the lack of playmakers that we've talked about, especially going back to last season, where you worry about them turning that corner if you don't keep contained and all of a sudden they're off right. to the races. They get no, that right. big hit. They haven't really given up anything like that so far. And and I give a lot of credit to those guys up in this front seven or so because it's 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 looked pretty good so far. And I, I give Lou Anna Rumo credit because I was being critical early today. I was like, how are you not pr- putting pressure on Andy Dalton? Why would you ever let Andy Dalton sit back and, and pick you apart like he did early in the first couple of drives? But to his credit, they made whatever adjustments need to be made, and pretty much everything was in front of them from there on out, and, and they, they've really had a nice game. Yeah, and, and I go back to that first drive even. I mean, if Eli Apple doesn't commit the stupid penalty, yeah. yeah, stupid penalty, I mean, they're off the field. I mean, so, um, you know, that was a big part of it too. But the bottom line is, after 1-1, one, one, do you feel better, worse, same? Where do you stand so far? I would say almost exactly the same as where I did about the team's ability. I feel a little bit worse about Zach Taylor and this coaching staff because I just feel like we were lied to in the offseason about what the plan of attack was going to be. I can get behind the idea of, hey, we're trying to develop this offense and turn it into this high octane. Joe Burrow spreading the ball around using his abilities, this new toy that we got in Jamar Chase to go along with a guy who looked really good in T Higgins last year. And you already got Tyler Boyd and, and Joe Mixon in the back. All of that made sense to me. I didn't, I wasn't a hundred percent sold on it beforehand, but once they sold it, I was like, yeah, okay. I can see how that works, but this isn't at all what we were sold. And this sucks to watch. It is really hard to watch. It's really disappointing as a fan. Cause you feel like the offense is going backwards from last year when we saw Joe Burrow and that's not good at all. So yeah, I'm just, I'm frustrated with it, but I think talent wise, I think they're still the same team I expected them to be. I feel like they're probably about six and 11. Yeah, I still go with seven and 10, but I, I mean, I will tell you, I mean, can you go to Pittsburgh and win? Yeah, I think you can. I don't think you will. They've won, won five straight in the series at, at Pittsburgh, but I don't think I, I've told you all along, I don't think Pittsburgh's very good. But even there, you know, just go for a loss because that's probably the most objective way to, to see the situation. Come back and beat Jacksonville. You know, after four games, we, we hope for three and one, right? We would be disappointed one and three. We would have been completely disappointed on four, but two and two felt right. Correct. That's right. So, I mean, we're, I think, I think they are where we thought they were. It just, it just felt weird today because Chicago's not very good. And you had a golden opportunity to steal a win golden and you missed you whiffed. Well, and I, I like think Logan it's more than whiffed. that too, because it was how inept yes. and yes, the offense was just an yeah, absolute that. zero yes. yeah. for three quarters. Yeah. Yep. No, that's a good point. All right. Anything else other than Evan McPherson's great. And I loved him from day one and I'm going to always love him. 
Yeah, I, I will say I am a little sick of hearing about the genius of Frank Pollock and how great he was going to make this offensive <laughs> line if his team doesn't even understand that the defensive line is allowed to stunt. They are going to change positions occasionally, and you have to be ready for that. Like the way that they have just been completely perplexed by simple stunts is mind boggling to me, considering they're coached by the greatest offensive line coach ever in Frank Pollock, ever, or so ever. we were told all offseason. Now, so. Jim, Jim, Jim McNally was the greatest offensive line coach ever, and I see him every once in a while, and he's a uh, a friend of mine's father-in-law and he's the best man ever and all those things. So he's not around anymore, but yes, no, you're right. Second best. Um, He's second best. So um, yeah, yeah. Second best. And maybe third best. If you want to call, you want Paul Alexander to be the second best or no? I just bring back Bobby Hart in a coaching role. Honestly, just make this real torture fest for me. Oh boy. That would not be so, that would not be so good. All right. Any final thoughts? That's all I got. All right, man. Appreciate it very much. Again, I'm on the Evan McPherson rookie of the year chain. That's all I know. Um, although Jamar Chase, I mean, two catches for touchdowns in the first two games on pace for 17 TDs. That's pretty good, right? Can we get him more than four targets? Maybe try him before the last five minutes of the game downfield. I don't know. Yeah, Worth he, a try. Yes, we can do that. Although he could have th- caught the third down slant at one point, too. You're right. I know the guy got a hand in there, but he could have caught that one, too. Yes. Yeah. Also, no. the one down the middle where they did try it long earlier in the game, that was a hell of a play by the defensive back because he really doesn't tip it at was. the exact perfect second. That's a You're damn right. good throw and a damn good catch. That's fair. That's yeah. fair. All right. Good stuff. All right. We will be back midweek with our Popery podcast. I will tell you, Rick, I think if we did done picks this week, I think I'd have gone 500 because I think I would have had the Bengals and the under. So I would have split there. I would have had you seeing the over would have won there i would have had kentucky for sure and the over and i would have split there i would have had ohio state in the over and ohio state didn't cover but had the over would have split there so i think it was about a 500 week how about you it sounds about right i'll be honest i didn't even get out anything and start looking at games you kind of know what's going on oh, but oh, i didn't but look sir, at a single sir, thing as you, while know, I, in mexico. as you know i did as you know i did as you know i did i know you're in mexico <laughs> I do know they have, they do have casinos in Mexico and they do have books in Mexico. Yes, uh, not to my not the apps certainly didn't work and we didn't uh, leave the well, results the all time. So the apps didn't, but the last time I went to Mexico to broadcast a, a college basketball game, um, my my good friend Steve Moeller and I went to a, a casino and we went and bet some sports on a Saturday. So there's that. Okay. Just well, I, I missed that opportunity. Okay. Next time. No, maybe maybe you maybe you saved yourself some money. So that's all good. <laughs> More than likely, that's right. All well, all well done. All right, man. I will be back in midweek. For Rick Boring, I'm Richard Scott. Thanks for being with us. It's been the Skinny Podcast, the Bengals post-game edition, presented by Ryan Kiefer of Prime Lane.